Colossians chapter 2, and we're reading from verse 6 to 15, and then 18 to 19. So that's Colossians 2, 6 to 15. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so work in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Verse 8. Beware lest anyone cheats you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him, who is the head of all principality and power. Verse 11. In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the sin, of the sins of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ. Buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. 13. And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you, you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirement that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Verse 15. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Verse 18 and 19. Let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. 19. And not holding fast to the head from whom all the body, nourished and knit together by joint and ligament, grows with the increase that is from God. Amen. Amen. This is mainly an encouragement to go on living by faith. You see, we receive Christ by faith, and there is an exhortation here to continue living by faith, looking unto Christ as we move forward. It is also a reminder that there is complete sufficiency in the Lord, not only for salvation, but for the whole Christian life. We have to rely on Christ because we are complete in him. It is an exhortation to acknowledge Christ's lordship and to stay away from man's traditions and philosophy, however convincing, persuasive they might appear. There are some very, very, very deep um, expressions here 
The first one in verse 7, rooted and built in him. Now, rooted in him refers to when we were born again. We have life from him. Actually, Christ is the ground, is the soil from where we get that life. The implication is that the more we get, we go deeper in that soil, the more we are strong and the more we can resist the wind. Secondly, we are built up in him. This is an ongoing work. We are being edified in him. Christ is building the church. And that's the reason why he gave ministries to build the church. I came across an expression which says the godly edification, edification that comes from God. You see, it's not all about building. It's building according to Christ. Do you remember Paul as a wise master builder? And what does he say? Let everyone be careful in the way he's building. So it's not any, any work, anything. Let's do anything for God. That is not ministry. That is not activity. I call that activism. Do anything. I've been in congregation where they've encouraged people to shout, give me some noise, please. What does that mean? Make some noise, please. What does that mean? Make some noise. And trust me, everyone will make some noise. Some sounding like animals. And encourage you to do so. Do you remember what happened with Moses was uh, on the mount? There was some shouting, a lot of shouting there. Do you remember that? And they say, yeah, we can hear that. But there's something not quite right in that shouting that is called discernment. We live in an age where everyone, everyone talks about revelation. Everyone. God has revealed this to me. God has revealed me. Yeah, we know that. Revelation is part of the category of the gift of inspiration. We know that. But I prefer inspiration over revelation. And I'm going to tell you why. Because astrologers can reveal things. And seemingly true things, actually. The devil can declare things. His deceitful workers can declare things that happen. That's revelation too. But we should look to the inspiration, the source of inspiration. That is deep. Remember what happened in Acts 16, I think? Well, I need to be very, very careful to not exercise that ministry of diversion. <laughs> in Acts 16, I think what happened in Philippi with that young girl? She says very, very religious things, but Paul went beyond that and touched the source of inspiration. Very, very, very important. And only the Lord God can lead his church 
in such deep dimension. Because if I have the Bible open here, I'm talking to you, I'm talking nice things to you, I'm talking things you love to hear, I'm talking things which agree with what you believe in, and you tick all the box. But I may be sent by the devil, how do you know that? If you don't have the Holy Spirit. You go beyond that, you rely on God. Test all things to know whether they're of God. Make some noise is not enough in the house of the Lord. In him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Bodily. This goes against agnostics' belief. It goes against the objectors. Bodily. Fullness. Notice that. Not a little bit. Not a little God. The fullness of the Godhead dwells in him bodily as he was there. Fully man and fully God. Well, we don't understand the Bible. God does not pretend, does not expect us to understand fully that reality. Do you know what the Bible says? Great is the mystery. God was manifest in flesh. And then he gives us everything that pertains to life and to godliness so that we are, we, we, we are comfortable with that truth by his Holy Spirit because those things are discerned spiritually. Holding fast to the head, the church should always look to Jesus Christ. It heads. Christ is the head, the ultimate head of his body. That is the church. Look to Christ for guidance, for direction, and for provision. Remember the expression? The edification that comes from God. The increase that is produced by the Holy Spirit, by God. You have to be very, very careful with importing marketing techniques in the church of Christ. Yes, we need that knowledge, it's true. Because there are different functions in the church. We still need the double entry for bookkeeping to manage the church finances. We need that. That's true. We still need to know how gift aid works. We need to know that. But the church is not run by marketing techniques. Relying from start to finish on Jesus Christ, who is the head of his church. And he will help us to move in the direction he wants us to move for his glory. And it will produce genuine Christians. Amen. Don't turn to this. Colossians chapter 1, verse 18. He is the head of the body, the church. I love that. I love the book of Colossians. It's very clear. There's no confusion as to who is the head of the church. Jesus Christ. We are complete in him. The body needs together by all the joint and ligament. I love that anatomy. Everyone has a role to play, to play in the church of Christ. Everyone. But by the increase that is provided by the Holy Spirit, and everyone can play his role according to what God has imparted to each and everyone. Therefore, there is no room for jealousy. No. 
I can't do what you do. And I'm not called to imitate what you're doing. I can learn from you. I can be edified. I can contribute according to what God has given to me, but I cannot necessarily do what you're doing. We can imitate other people's faith and perseverance, but we cannot imitate the calling they have. Learning from one another. Just that little point would resolve many, many problems in the body of Christ. Unfortunately, everyone wants to be everything. Everyone is uh, Billy Graham. <laughs> everyone is the Apostle John. No one wants to recognize his mistakes. Once a false declaration is made, no one wants to come back and say, oh, Actually, no. Why? Because of the TV. Because of human acceptance. They want to be seen as the Holy Spirit himself. Jesus Christ is the head of the church, which is his body. So, in a broader sense, the body represents all the redeemed people who have been sealed by the Spirit of God. And according to Romans 8, 9, and this can be very, very inconvenient and uncomfortable for some people, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, it's not his. As simple as that. What makes us known to God as his children is the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Should I say that again? Without the Holy Spirit of God, the church is merely a human institution. It's the spirit of Christ that makes his presence, that communicates to us his will all the time that leads his church. That's why he says, I'm going and I will send you another myself to lead you in all truth. Very, very, very important. It's not ancillary. It's not Accessory, no. The Holy Spirit is not, uh, uh, yeah. no. The Holy Spirit is the heart. Christ being the head and his word being the blood in the body. Well, we have this expression, this word exousia in John chapter 1 verse 12. To all who believe in him, he has given them the exousia is the Greek word. He has given them exousia, which means he has given them right, power, privilege, jurisdiction to become children of God. That's a position to those who believe in Christ. He has given them that exousia, that's right. They are part of the, the, the household of God. But he hasn't left them like that. He's also given them dunamis. That's the power to work to continue in Christ by his spirit. Like a bike, dynamo, 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 English can be very complicated. It, it produces electricity as you're moving along. And that's the work the Holy Spirit does. But to those who first are in that position of exousia in Christ. Now, the difference between the body of Christ and any other institution is the presence of the Holy Spirit. I've said that already. Therefore, I conclude that the Holy Spirit 
is the rightful vicar of Christ. <laughs> because vicar, vicarius, Christi, means the representative in the place of Christ. So the true representative of Christ on earth in his church is the Holy Spirit. I'm sure you begin to see where we're going. <clears throat> Jesus Christ is the word made flesh and all scripture is about him. Therefore, there must be a perfect harmony between the word of God and the Holy Spirit. In fact, they are inseparable. Here is the problem. If we don't get that right in the church, here is the problem. First possibility, there will be a huge increase in the knowledge of the scripture. Without the Holy Spirit, that leads to what? Thank you. Arrogance, people being puffed up, head knowledge, competition, academic, scholarship, exercise, etc. And that's it. And quite frankly, I've seen quite few of those. And it seems to me that some believers like that. They just like those empty dispute and okay, who James White is better than Dave Hunt and, and, J, and John MacArthur doesn't believe in the Holy Spirit, in the gift and this and that. And they're quite happy in that position. And spend hours and hours and hours, you see, just self-promoting. But where the Spirit of God is in humility and obedience, the Bible tells us, avoid empty disputes. So that's the first thing that will happen. The second one is the other extreme. Any attempt to allegedly exalt the Holy Spirit without the backing of scripture could potentially attract another spirit. <laughs> that's the other side. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy unchecked. We don't know what we're talking about. Witchcraft is involved, occultism is involved, everyone is saying everything, is the Holy Spirit. And people become afraid. If that's the Holy Spirit, I don't want to hear about it, it's too complex. And people are quite happy to promote that. And go unchecked. No. Test every spirit. How? By the word. God has not left us irresponsibly like that. He's given us the word. You see, I used to say before that people get very afraid. When we come to talk about the gift of the Holy Spirit and the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, people go, oh, no, that's very complicated. It's very, very easy. And I've been in churches where the minute someone opens his mouth to give a gift or to express something, etc., straight away someone will come and do his Excuse me, we don't believe in that here. Is that what the Bible says? Well, that is called suspicion. That's not discernment. What does the Bible say? Let the person talk. Keep quiet. Just wait. You will know all that. That's not God talking. But by stopping, you won't know. Because the person will come back and say, you're quenching the Holy Spirit. You're stopping the Holy Spirit to express. The Bible very wisely say, let him talk. The others listen. You will know. It's the church of Christ. By the end, they finish, even if they say 100 times, thou says the Lord, you will know that it's not God talking. Wisdom. 
So with those very simple truths from the Bible, it makes life so easier. No one is afraid of the gift of the Holy Spirit. You just All you need to do is to keep quiet and discern. And you will know. At the same time, that something is wrong there. In John chapter, chapter 6, don't turn to it, chapter 6, verse 63, we are reminded, so that's the integration I'm talking about here, that integrated reality where the Holy Spirit and the Word of God works together for the edification of the church. In John 6, 63, we are reminded that the Spirit gives life and that Christ's Word are Spirit and life. All these points intend to show that without the Word of God and His Spirit, there's no church in the biblical sense. In its broader meaning, the body of Christ is the universal fellowship of his followers who have his spirit and live by his word. In its biblical sense, the body of Christ, in its biblical sense, is the true Catholic church. Catholicos, universal is the body of Christ. The concept has been hijacked to mean something else. I've spoken to people when I ask them, are you a Christian? They will not say no. They will not say yes. They will answer me, I'm a Catholic. I'm a Catholic. Now, are you a Christian? I'm a Catholic. In the biblical sense, the body of Christ, that universal fellowship of the believers, in a biblical sense, that's the real Catholic church, in that sense. I hope by this time, it has already become apparent that there is a clear conflict between the spiritual and biblical meaning of the Catholic church, where Jesus is the head, and the Holy Spirit, the vicar, vicarious Christi representative of Christ. As opposed to the institutional Roman Catholic Church, with it had the Pope, who is usually regarded as Vicarious Christi, representative of Christ. Whenever the Holy Spirit and the Word of God are removed from the equation, we are left with mere traditions of men. Gone. The Bible is there. It's mixed up with other books, so many things there, and people are lost. The church in the present day represents the period going from Pentecost to date, to now. So when Paul is talking about the church in this present age, he's talking about what started from Pentecost, the birth of the church, to the present, to the present age onwards. That's the church. Start with the outpouring, the coming of the Holy Spirit, stay within the church, and lead the church to the glory of Christ. God, the Father, sent the Son, the Son sent the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit gives his gift to men for the edification of the body. And Christ gives ministries 
to equip the church. You see, believers have to be equipped. And uh, I feel very sad because I come across, we live in an age where knowledge is available everywhere. Believers sometimes don't want to be taught. You know, in the past, believers were approaching pastors to explain them things they did not understand. These days, believers approach pastors to teach them things. I'm not saying pastor know everything, but may the Lord help you to understand what I'm talking about. Believers used to come and say, I did not understand in the preaching. What did you mean by this? Believers used to come and say, oh, I've heard something there. Is that true? But these days, believers come to give information. But there is a mismatch, a disconnection between the level of knowledge you see and the reality of Christ in people's life. It's a complete disconnection, contradiction. Knowledge is there, but there's very little of Christ in character. So, where is the true church then? Does Roman Catholicism represent the body of Christ as being the only true church? If so, if so, then how does it relate to the other Bible-believing Christians, both now and in the past? What does history tell us? What about having one vicar of Christ and multiple popes at the same time, contradicting each other? Confusion. Was Roman Catholicism the only form of Christianity before the Reformation? Because that's what we hear. We've been told that it all happened at the Reformation. There was only one church, the Catholic Church, at the Reformation. The brother, the brother need to return home. That's what is being said. They all need to return home and to bow before the Eucharist. We forgive them. The answer is a resounding no. At the time of Reformation, before Reformation, they were Bible believing. Who paid with their life for standing for Christ. You give me one name. Thank you. A group? Albigenses. You search that word. Waldenses. Albigenses. What about the followers of Wycliffe? The Lollards. Those people stood firm and they were killed by Roman Catholicism for standing for Christ. For refusing to bow before the Eucharist and standing by the word of Christ. But do you know what happened? In 300, the church was very, very persecuted at that time in the Roman Empire. The church really suffered. In 312 AD, you know the story more than I do. Constantine, the great. Is it Constantine or Constantine? Constantine? Okay. 
Let me, let me call it my way. You know what I mean. Constantine. Constantine le Grand. Easy. <laughs> that man was a Roman emperor. By the time we get to the third century, the church has really suffered, especially under people like Nero, Diocletian. The church has seriously suffered. And in 312, come this emperor, Constantine the Great, who said he won a battle, Milvian, it's called the Battle of Milvian Bridge. He won the battle, and when asked why and how he won the battle, he said as he was battling, fighting, he saw a sign of the cross in the sun. And he heard a voice telling him, in that sign, conquer. And he won the battle. And then he said, oh, I declare an edict that the whole Roman Empire is Christian. And then granted tolerance, protection to Christians. As time went by, some Christians saw that syncretism, syncretism, today we're talking about ecumenism, syncretism, that mixture of everything, just put everything in the basket, everything, that syncretism. But Constantine was a priest in a Babylonian cult, pagan, and he had a title there. And as he came here and saw himself as the head of the church, he needed a title and came up with Pontifex Maximus. Pontifex Maximus. You see where we're going. At that time, believers realized that something has happened. By the time they start resisting, in 331 AD, another edict was signed. Whoever will not go by what the Pope is, the Pope, I'm ahead of the game. Okay, Pontifex, <laughs> I was the first Pope. Whoever will not comply with the established rule will be either in prison, either tortured, or persecuted, or killed. The church, once again, had been deceived. Too late. You see, when we seek protection from this world, that false security, someone says, if the church commit adultery in this generation, it fights itself a widow in the next generation. But it is remain with its groom, bridegroom, never be a widow. Human protection. Let's seek God. Let the church pray and ask protection from God and play by his rules and not seeking false security. It's not going to work. Do you know what? When Jesus Christ was born, Herod, Herod called the chief priest and the scribes. So those are people who knew the law. They knew the law. And he said, according to your scriptures, where was the king of the Jews to be born? And they searched, and they searched, and they came with the answer in Bethlehem. 
and he prepared his plan to kill the baby born. Do you understand? What am I saying here? If you complain as a Christian to say things are get, getting worse, Christians are being pushed in a corner, discriminated against, all the government need to do is to call the Archbishop of Canterbury. What does the Bible say on the matter of homosexuality? What does the Bible say on so, so, so matter? And he will bring his scholars and advisors and they will give the advice and based on that, a law will pass. And you will think, but that's unbiblical, that's unfair, but the government will say, but we've been advised by more learned people than you. You understand where I'm going? Using scripture against the church. Advising people to destroy the church. We need to pray. We need to abide in Christ. Okay. Another fact from history was Wycliffe. I mentioned Wycliffe. This man was a godly man. This man worked to promote the Bible. And I think he defied the, the Pope by saying, if God gives me enough time, I will make a very small charge, child to teach you the Bible. He was killed. You know your history. He was killed. He wasn't buried. He was burnt. And cursed. And cursed after his death. Cursed. But history tells us that the place where they threw his ashes was in a river. And at that time, that river passes through various villages, and where that river was passing, they were being revival and people were becoming Christians. Do you understand that? The blood of the martyr is the seed for revival. False security is not for God. Christians love too much comfort today. No one is prepared to suffer. No one is prepared to pay the price. Everyone was want comfort, including in the church. Yeah. Nathan told the other day, in the last day, people will be easily offended. Easily offended. I pray, God, I say I'm easily offended. God, help me not to be easily offended. Help me with my wife not to be easy. I'm so easily offended. Help me to bear as you do. I'm so easily offended. Okay, we're going to the end. I'm going to conclude. Let no one cheat you. Let no one cheat you. Why is God's people so gullible? Why? Other people know what they stand for. They know what they want. How come it's only Christian who so easily 
concede, lose ground so easily in the name of love. Are we more loving than God himself? David said, the zeal of the Lord devours me. Those people knew God. David said, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven and sin is covered. Can you see that? Blessed he whose transgression is forgiven. Do we understand that the most important thing is the forgiveness of our sin? And not a new car, a new building and money. Sin forgiven. No one could do that for us. David said, blessed the man whom sin is covered. Transgression forgiven. Do we say thank you to God for forgiving us? Do we even care what it means to be forgiven? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He did not come to make everyone a millionaire. Can you see the problem in the body of Christ? Can you see the problem in the church? Everyone wants to be rich. And I can stand here for one hour teaching you how to be rich. Waste of time and space and resources. Leading people astray. It was the same in the days of Ezekiel. God appointed priests, Levite, the descendants of Zadok, to do what? To teach his people two things. The difference between the clean and the unclean and to cause them to distinguish between the holy and the unholy. That's the reason why God appointed ministers to edify the church, to teach holiness, the fear of the Lord in his house. Something terrible happened in Ezekiel chapter 8. They start committing abomination. You see, there is a difference between sin, iniquity, and abomination. When the word abomination comes, it means something really serious in the heart of the there is even something like the abomination of desolation. In fact, in my country, in Lingala, abomination can be translated by he's killed the nation. Abomi means killing a nation. You see, those priests, in the days of Ezekiel, they, be, they began to do things. The Bible says, why did they do that? In order to put God away from his sanctuary. Wow. Building the temple was God's idea. Was God's desire to meet with his people, to tabernacle with his people. In French, we tabernacle avec son peuple. To tabernacle, to dwell with his people. And now they're putting God out. How? By increased iniquity. Something terrible happened in Ezekiel 8. Why don't we turn to that as our final thing? Ezekiel chapter 8. Ezekiel chapter 8. I'm reading from verse 6. 
Furthermore, he said to me, Son of man, do you see what they are doing? The great abominations that the house of Israel commit here to make me go far away from my sanctuary. Now turn again, you will see greater abomination. Stop there for a moment. Number one, great abomination. Number two, greater abomination. Number three, further down, wicked abominations. Number four, abominable beasts in the same passage. Wow. In the house of the Lord. I will read with you what they did. Shepherd. Fake. Deceitful workers. Let's move to Okay, let's put this in context, what was happening here. Ezekiel is in a different country. He's taken in spirit. He's having a vision of what's happening in Jerusalem in the temple. That's what is happening here. That's the context. Those who are doing those things are pretty convinced that God is not aware. The majority of the people don't know what they are doing. But in the first place, they were appointed to teach people the fear of God. So in pretense, they're showing people that they're ministering for God, but then they're having this secret thing, and they're doing these things, thinking that God is not aware. And God revealed to his servant what is happening there. Let's move on. Verse 13, and he said to me, turn again, and you will see greater abomination that they are doing. Verse 14, so he brought me to the door of the north gate, of the Lord's house, and to my dismay, women were sitting there weeping for Thomas. Thomas. We're talking about the temple here. And these women we're talking about here are Israelites. Verse 15. Then he said to me, Have you seen, O son of man? Turn again. You will see great abomination than this, verse 16. So he brought me into the inner court of the Lord's house, and there at the door of the temple of the Lord, between the porch and the altar, were about 25 men with their backs towards the temple of the Lord and their faces toward the east, and they were worshiping the... Folks, these are serious things. These are serious things. In the house of God. First of all, we don't want him. We're going to increase the abomination, and because he can't see that, he will go away, and then we can continue to do what we want to do. But God knew that, because God cares for his people. He had appointed them to lead his people, and because he cares for the souls, for people, he will intervene and do something about it and reveal so that the prophet can shout about it and bring the heart of people to God. That's very serious. Um, by this time here, we have two very, very, very serious characters appearing here. Tamers and the son. And the son. 
But in the days of Jeremiah, there is another character as well. Jeremiah 7, 18, Jeremiah 44. That character is called the queen of heaven. Again, the women, the children, and the fathers, you know, they're gathering the wood. Those, those are the children, and the mothers are preparing cakes, and the, and, the, and, the, and the men are very busy pouring offering, drink offering to the queen of heaven. And they say, yes, because everything is drying out. You know, because it's, there is an economic crisis now. You know, we have to do this so that she can do something. The goddess of fertility. So that we can increase in fruitfulness. Because she's believed to give children, to give fertility, to give wealth, to give health, to give everything. And the prophet said, why are you doing that? I said, because since we stopped doing it, things are getting we are going to do what is in our heart and what come out of our mouth. The prophet said, don't do that. We will do this. Because God is delaying. Folks, let's be very careful here. A Christian who complains too much is in danger. Go to trust God. Trust God. Walk in faith. You were saved. We were saved by faith. We need to walk by faith. Looking unto Jesus, who is both the oath and the finish of this faith. A good brother used to remind me this verse. He used to say, I don't remember the verse exactly. It says something like, if we are so weak in time of peace, what would happen in time of war? We are relatively at peace at the moment. If we are so weak, what would happen to our faith in the days ahead? Things aren't going to be any easier. We've got to be prepared. We've got to be strengthened in the might of Christ. Because things will be trickier and trickier and trickier and trickier and trickier. Believe I need to wake up. Believe I need to understand. Let me share a story with you. Recently we were in a conference, mega conference in Birmingham. And we were having breakfast because the majority of the attendants were staying at different hotels nearby. And there was a man who I think could have been in his 70s. Just to tell you how people are intelligent for God and how people take things seriously. And that man, he will go around when we're having breakfast and he realized that most of the people there will be attending the conference. So he will go on every table with a very good smile. Hello, are you enjoying the conference? That is a way of checking if you come into the conference. We say yes. Can I just say something to you? I say yes. Have you noticed there is a Bible, the Gideon New Testament in the, in, in the room? Yes. Can I please ask you, when you're writing the feedback note to say what we want the most, what we love the most here was the Bible in the room. And he went telling everyone, I've never noticed that I could do something like that. That was important because usually I was, the shower wasn't working, the door wasn't closing properly, the mattress wasn't good. He said, no, say what I like the most and I will come back again because of the Bible. And I said, oh, because we had two bedrooms and I went back, can I have another feedback form because it's missing in that room because I'm going to write that. Intelligent for God. I didn't know you could do that. Let us be transformed by the renewing of mind. Doing things of eternal significance for our beloved God. The queen of heaven. Tamus, the son. You're not going to into that. 
We're not going to go into that now because of time. But we're talking about the Babylonian system here. That's what we're talking about. From physical Babylon to the spiritual one. And the spiritual one will fight against the most high in the end. But the most high will win. I let one of, our, one, of our, one of our girls yesterday read for me just one word in the Bible. I said, find for me the timing of the, the defeat of the Babylon the Great. Find for me the timing. There is a time there. Find for me. And she went in the Bible and said, oh, one hour only. I said, well, the Almighty will put her down in one hour only. Yeah. It seems so great. Babylon the Great seems to be Babylon the Great, the mother of the abomination. All the abomination. Why Babylon? In the end time? But Babylon, physical Babylon is past. Is that spirit? You see, it started there. The greatest rebellion started there, and it's going through various forms of religion, and the goddesses are changing names. It's the same Samiramis becoming, Venus becoming Aphrodite, becoming Cynthia, becoming Diana, becoming, etc. It's the same becoming the Queen of Heaven, Mary, Mother, and Jesus, etc. It's the same. Because the statue of mother and, and child is the same Constantine who changed it. Is the original statue of Osiris and Horus. He changed it to say, okay, let's call it Mary and the child. I'm not going to go into festivals. <laughs> that was the, the plan. <laughs> I'm not going to go into festivals. But let me conclude with at least one of them. Nimrod, the Bible says in Genesis, that Nimrod, who led rebellion against God, was a descendant of the just Noah. Just few generations. And he was called, he, he, the Bible says he was a mighty hunter before the Lord. The, a mighty hunter in the face of God. Why? Because he hunted humans to sacrifice them to his God, Moloch. Mercilessly. And he went on to marry his own mom. Samiramis. You know your story. Samiramis. So he became the son and the husband. And then he died. And they said he was so great that he passed all stars. He passed the son. In fact, he became the son himself. He became the chief of all the idols. And then Samiramis got pregnant because of her immorality. And she did not want to lose her reputation and came up with a story. She said, oh, Nimrod has been, you know, this child is from Nimrod through the son Reis. Ray, R-A-Y, S. That's how she became pregnant, she claimed. And then she had this famous. You've learned here. Can you see how serious these things are? How can the people of God, knowing those things, go in the very temple of the living God and worship an idol like that? Now you have Samiramis, you have Nimrod, 
who is the son. You have Samiramith, who become deified, who change the name, who become Asherah, Ashtaroth, Ishtar in Nineveh, Ishtar, which give Easter we have today. And then they promote that pagan religion, Babylonian system religion. And what did they do? They had priests of the religion abusing young virgin girls to have children with them. When did they do that? They did that around the month of March. Precisely the 25th, March. And all those young ladies had to wait nine months because the pregnancy takes normally nine months. And guess what? From the 25th of March, plus nine months, you know your mother trusts you, those children were born. And those children will be sacrificed to Moloch, to Nimrod, who had been transformed in the son as God, and they will sacrifice those children, and they will keep some of them and at the anniversary, the 25th again, they will come to offer to the other goddess, which is Samiramis, Easter, eggs to say thank you for fertility, which gave Easter eggs. Deeply demonic stuff, yes. folks. Yes. What does the Bible say in Revelation 18, verse 4? Come out of her, yes. you my people. Yes. Shall we read that? Yes. Revelation 18, verse 4. Revelation 18, verse 4. <clears throat> and I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people lest you share in her sins and lest you receive of her plague. Who the Bible is talking about? Chapter 17, verse 5, Revelation. Chapter 17, verse 5. And on her forehead a name was written, Mystery Babylon, the great, the mother of Harlot and of the abomination of the earth. Yeah. Do you understand? One of the names given to Samiramis was mother of God. Why mother of God? Because her husband and son uh, uh, Nimrod had become God. And it's believed that he was reincarnated in Tamus again. So she was the mother of God. Do you see where I'm coming from? Mother of God. Promoted. Causing a lot, a lot, a lot of bad things. Hurting God throughout the history. And now in the house of God, people are bowing down to worship that. How hurtful would that be for God? Mm. Who is on the Lord's side today? Yeah. Who will go for the Lord? Yeah. Who will pay the price? Yeah. Who is prepared for Christ? Amen. The days are evil. Yeah. Let's sing a song as we conclude. Can I just um, say that, I was going to ask you after the message. He doesn't know this, by the way. I was going to say to Gihu, did you bring everything?
Lord laid on your heart? No. I'm going to ask you it now. No. Okay. I'm going to ask you, brothers, if you have to go, you have to go. But I believe that God has spoken through our brother this morning. And I believe we need to hear the whole thing. And so we're going to do that. We're just going to stay here. If you need to go, please go. But if there's things that are being held back that need to be brought, I believe they need to be brought. And I just feel we need to hear all of it. Are you prepared to do it? Yes. Thank you. Amen. In Acts chapter 19, in Acts chapter 19, we have the story of what was happening in the city of Ephesus. Ephesus, the inhabitants of Ephesus, were worshipping Diana. By the way, Diana is the same variation of Samiramis, of the queen of heaven. It's the same goddess doing that. So they were worshipping, in fact, they called her the great Diana. And something happens. There was a man called, I think, Demetrius, who was a silversmith. He was doing these shrines, and that was bringing a lot of money to the industry. A lot of money. And the city was gaining a lot of income from visitors coming to contemplate, to look at the statue, to look at the monument, to buy those shrines. But as a result of the preaching of the gospel by the Apostle Paul and the serious believers, something happens. What happened? People were abandoning those things and passing to the faith in Jesus Christ. But something else happened. Those who were passing to Christ did not just have a psychological conversion or a mental, renewed mental decision. No. It was so serious that what they considered to be their security, they brought to the church to be burned. Secret book for magics, witchcraft, things they had done were brought to the church to be burned and that showed that those people really had turned away. John the Baptist say, show them by your deed that you have changed. Yes, amen. There is no point. I'm a believer. Why is entertaining suspicious stuff behind? It's just making life complicated. There's no association between Christ and Belial. Amen. No. No association between the table of Christ and the table of demons. You cannot eat at the table of Christ and eat at the table of demons. We can't continuously sit on the fence. We are hot or cold, lukewarm out, says Jesus Christ. Yeah. He will spit out. We have to decide. Amen. The Bible calls this high time. English is very good. High time. Yeah. The night is fast spent. Yeah. The day is coming. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Amen. We have to cast off all the dead deeds of darkness. We can't play that game. Christ is the light of the world. Amen. Christ is not darkness. There is no darkness in him. Amen. We are called to be children of light. Yes. It is a must. In the house of Christ. Resolute, determined for Christ. 
For those things to happen, something needs to happen first, which we call second birth. We have to be born again. Because when we are born again, then we have the spirit of Christ and the spirit begins to lead us in the way God wants us to go. And helping us in our weaknesses. Unless that happens, we will be fighting, we will be struggling. Oh, I don't see what's happening with my life. I don't feel like I'm a Christian one day. I don't feel like this. Oh, it's so hard. It's so hard. It's not meant to be easy. It's never been easy. The great apostle Paul was let down in a basket. David had to pretend to be a mad person because of hardship. It's never been easy. Most of them were crucified. Most of them were tortured. Even today in Syria, we saw pictures of believers being crucified. It's never been easy. Easy life is not Christian. But the hardship of this life, because we can't handle that ourselves, that's why we need Christ. Day and night, we need Christ to help us as we move forward. Remember the conversation between the Lord and the devil? Where are you coming from? I'm coming from the earth. Been going to and fro. Aha. Have you noticed my servant Job? Oh, yes. You are unnoticed. Don't think you are unnoticed. Even if you're seeking favor, even if I'm seeking favor, I am noticed. Just two weeks ago, I recruited someone at work, three a month now. And last week I was making tea in the kitchen and the person came and she was telling me about the funeral she attended of a believer, etc. And she said to me, oh, I'm sure God will, will, will help the family, etc. And then she looked at me, I'm her line manager, and she said to me, I'm saying this because I know you are a Christian, I am too. That's the first time I've heard that in 20 years' time. How? I've never told her that I'm a Christian. We are noticed, we can't hide. He said, I've seen Job, I've seen him. And the devil was determined to hurt God through Job, but he failed. Why? Because Job was very, very, very clear. Why am I saying this? He said, I know my Redeemer lives. You see that declaration there? Well, unless I haven't read my Bible properly, but from start to finish, Job is focused on God, not on the devil. He even attributed to God. He said, we receive good things from God. Why won't we receive this? The Lord has given, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be his name. To God, friends. To God. Well, friends and parents, because they are parents here. Let's focus on God. Christ is the head. The sufficiency, our sufficiency is in Christ. Darkness is not going to reduce. It's not going to decrease. It will go deeper, thicker, and thicker, and thicker, and thicker, and we have to be prepared. I've just given you a simple example of this uh, Babylonian, Babylonian festivals, okay? In those days, when they were doing this, when those children were being born, they called it winter festival. Winter solstice. 
all to do with stars, etc. And the word Ishtar, which is a variation of the, of, of, of the queen of heaven, Samiramis, the word Ishtar itself was the way the Ninevite pronounced Astarte. In French, we call it Astarte. So they call her Ishtar, which gives us what we know today. Absolutely nothing to do with the biblical Passover. But it's been forced on everybody. Egg. Children are forced. Now they are forced. You have to wear Christmas jumper. There's nothing we can do about that. It's forced on us. The Babylonian system is forced on us. But where we can contain the situation, let us do it. Where we can. In our sphere of influence, where we can, let us do it. For the sake of Christ. Let us not just jump into all sorts of solicitation. All sorts of suggestion. Let us be bold for Christ. Amen. Amen. I'm going to stay there. May God bless you and continue to fight the good fight of faith for him.